When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Urso, who was friendly enough to send me a bio beforehand so I could uh, introduce you, but uh, I meditate before every podcast because apparently I can't not t- somehow tie in spiritualness to this. So I didn't have time to go over it. So real quick, if you would like to introduce yourself to my audience and tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, great. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we had a nice little chat beforehand. A couple of minutes, and and basically my background is in drug de- design and development. Uh, I basically invented an FDA approved drug. Did nine years in a tissue culture lab and two years in a biochem lab. Um, I've been practicing doc since 1989. I've seen about 300,000 patients. I've seen about 1,600 COVID patients, and I've been involved in it since the beginning. Um, and when I saw what was happening, when I saw what was um, what was transpiring, I, I basically got involved very early on just because I'm interested in medicine uh, and drug development. Some of my colleagues and I actually started talking back in February of 2020. Um, they knew that I was involved in drug research. Um, they asked me to get in on some calls. Um, we started talking to people in other countries, primarily like uh, South Korea and Italy, and it was become really well aware it felt like our usual thing, like we're going to team together, um, docs getting together and just doing our thing, you know, um, like like other people do their jobs, you know, engineers plan and we do our own planning. Um, we think in broad categories. Um, we said, hey, this is an inflammatory disease. This is a blood clotting disease. What a surprise. Coronavirus never been a blood, big blood clotter. That was a real shock. But of course, the respiratory distress. So it became very much a four part prong approach to treating attack the virus, treat the inflammation, treat the respiratory distress, and treat the blood clotting, and you'll be okay. And that was early March. Um, we didn't have a lot of weapons that were direct for viruses, but remember, viruses and cancer cells are very similar in that they use our machinery. It's hard to attack viruses because when you attack a virus, you're attacking yourself. You know, they use all the same machinery that we use to make, to make uh, uh, replication cycles. So when you're attacking a virus, you're oftentimes attacking some of your own your own, um, you know, your own uh, pathophysiology is getting getting disrupted. Also, your mitochondria um, at the cellular level. Um, most of the time, whenever a cell is replicating, um, you're you're attacking, uh, like in a cancer cell, the replication cycles. Well, it's the same type of drugs. For instance, they're using molnupiravir uh, and remdesivir to attack the replication cycle. They're mutagenic agents, and of course, they don't work uh, without creating mutations. So you might actually create code for catastrophe, basically, if you if you use these kind of drugs. And there's better drugs out there. Uh, at the end of the day, we had a lot of drugs in March of 2020 for inflammation. Um, all of you know that anti-inflammatories are well uh, well known. Prednisone. Um, we had lots of drugs for blood clotting, Eliquis-Sorelto-Lovinox, many others, aspirin. Um, we had lots of drugs for respiratory. Uh, de- uh, uh, depression, like things like pudesonide, other asthma drugs. And we had about eight, I identified eight things that I thought would really work well. So I think that's kind of the start. That's where it all started. And that's where the shock started coming in. When I started broadening out among, amongst my small colleague group and actually talking to uh, 
people I knew in the industry um, and getting told, I know we just need to go home. And I was, I've never heard that before. You know, I'm a doctor. Like um, it's like telling something like I was through the AIDS epidemic. We never went home. We just walked in the room and took care of the patients, you know? So we didn't even know where, where, you know, the origin of the, it wasn't identified in other pandemics. We don't know, but that's what, that's what you do as a doctor. It seemed totally absurd that we were going to walk away. So I, of course I didn't, I treated my first patient with steroids, uh, as erythromycin, uh, vitamin D, uh, hydroxychloroquine and aspirin and had a tremendous improvement. And I, and I decided to talk about it to some of my colleagues and I got rebuffed again. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go online. Let me see what happens. Went online. I think it was like March 10th or 12th and well before Trump said anything. And I said, Hey, I think there's some stuff we can do. I think we can fight this disease like all the others. And I got a couple hundred thousand views. And, and of course my background, uh, in, in the lab, people don't know about. They just read up online and say, hey, he's an ophthalmologist. And I said, yeah, well, you know, it's, um, you know, first of all, I'm an oncologist, ophthalmologist, uh, so I have a background in oncology. Uh, but the years in the lab gave me, uh, gave me a lot of uh, ability to talk about drug design. So that's where I was and, and basically got attacked, got reported to the boards for saying that I knew things. Um, I was just really kind of surprised that... <laughs> I was getting attacked by people who had no medical background. <laughs> I was just like, this is hilarious. But I was a little bit scared. Um, I think that lasted a day. And then I talked to my wife and I said, look, if I can't be a doctor and I can't speak up about the stuff I know about, then I'm just going to go be a fisherman. You know, that's all. There's no reason I'm not a doctor. And that's, that's kind of what started off. I literally sat, looked her in the eye. I said, if I go and I, and I end up passing away, and I'm trying to hope that I end up in heaven, right? And then basically I look and say, you know, hey, I, I knew all those people were going to die. Um, I knew I had treatment, but I was afraid to speak up. I didn't want to lose my job. I mean, literally, I just knew I was a, it would be a cowardly thing to do. And I knew not everybody knew that. And I, I, I didn't expect everybody to do it, but I knew that I knew it. And I knew it well. And so I had to move forward. And I've been going ever since. <clears throat> yeah, that's what uh, about... I think it was like March or April last year, I got my first strike on my YouTube channel from having on uh, Dr. Roger Hodkinson. And uh, I realized very quickly, I was like, I don't, I don't want to, I was like, I don't want to get my channel banned. It's still tiny. So I just started, just kind of started like self-censoring. And then I had on a, a CIA veteran, Claire Lopez, who started talking about the 2020 election and like CCP involvement. And I got another strike and I was like, all right, well, I just won't talk about that. And then it kind of dawned on me because I inter- I mean, I interview a ton of military veterans. It kind of dawned on me that like, I was like, I have this flag behind me. And I was like, what, what arrogance and what lack of a spine and a lack of testicles can I even begin to fathom that I am going to dare have a flag about freedom and liberty behind me and be like, well, there's just a couple topics I can't talk about. And I was like, all right, let's, you know, or just running into this thing blind fire, and of course got permanently banned for that. But you do have this sort of, and for me, it's not even you know. I always talk about it. I got into medical school, I decided not to go. I got into pharmacy school, decided not to go, and I, I really don't have any interest in ever pursuing that stuff again. I just like doing this podcast because I just like talking to people. No part of me ever set out to do a COVID podcast. Like I wanted to talk about like. UFOs and skyscrapers and nuclear submarines, and I still do. 
but for me, it's something so much larger, and it's it's the beginning of censorship. It's what's creeping in. It's had on Mike Collins yesterday. who's running for Congress out of Georgia, and he's a he's a second generation trucker. And he was like, "This has nothing to do with like trucking." He was like, "Don't don't get caught up in the minutia." What this is is needing a vaccine to go across borders as a trucker. Really, is if you break it down, it's a needing government approval to b uh, participate in polite society. So that's kind of why I keep hounding it so much. Is anyone with even a remotely, you know, barely scratching the surface understanding of human history, not even human, just the last hundred years, knows where all of this goes, and it always starts with for your health it always starts with just censoring the fringe it's just it always starts as this so to go back to what you said earlier and i don't even remember if it was before we start recording or not early on you just thought it was normal medicine you said yes. you're just like hey you know there's whatever maybe something's not approved and this is just i don't know your regulatory people your ambulance chasers like whatever what was it that made you really was it the censorship for you the criticism for you by people who aren't medical professionals, what was it that made you realize, oh, this isn't, you know, I just had on Dr. Merrick and he was like, most of the doctors, he's like, we don't even know what is on and off label. We just know what works for what. And he was like, never before has it been, you can't do that. You're going to lose your job if you do that. Go home. Yeah, Paul said it really well. Uh, I never even thought about off label. I always do off label because I knew it works. And, yeah. and, that people are doing research all the time. So it, these things, anything's a chemical could have multiple effects. So I, we know that. That's how, you know, I took nerve growth factor and turned it into a wound healing drug for diabetic wounds. Okay, so now if you hear the word nerve growth factor, what makes nerves grow? Why would it heal a wound? Well, because it does other things. I found epithelial cells on with nerve growth factor receptors. I thought that might mean something. So there's always a better mousetrap. It's just medicine, okay? That's why... I always say that's why we call it the practice of medicine because there's always an adjustment. So what the weirdest part for me was, um, was when I had these people telling me not to talk and, and I was just like, why are this, why is the media coming after me? I go, this seems insane. They don't know anything. And then I had people in the, in the medical board and people in the medical association. I'm like, they don't, and they know because they don't do any research. They literally have no, we're not peers. All right. They're, they're sort of colleagues, but they're on a whole nother level below me, unfortunately, when it comes to drug design. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it just is what it is. And it's nothing bad. It's just they didn't spend any time doing it. I spent a lot of time doing it. Sure. At the end of the day, I, and I don't take anything away, but I just knew that wasn't the group that, that should be criticizing me because I already knew I had literally had the, 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 the data in, inside my head. And I spent so much time in, during my lifetime just looking at, at inflammation and and, uh, and wound healing, it's a big deal. So I knew I knew what I was what I was doing right from the get go. But the thing that clued me in that something was weird was when they said in Texas that if I used PPE, this is in March, if I used PPE, I would actually potentially be criminally liable for 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 getting in the way of emergency use act. That I might I'm wearing a mask and wasting this mask when there's short supply, supposedly. And I thought to myself, fine, then I won't wear it. I don't need it. The mask doesn't, and I literally was like, well, the mask doesn't work in viruses anyway, which is another thing that I knew back in March, just like in March. It was like, 
So work in a virus lab, and there's something called R99, R100 PAPRs. Tight-fitting R99, R100, they block um, 99% of airborne particles or 100% of airborne particles. And and actually, the, the, the R100 blocks 97% of all viruses, so it's really powerful against viruses. The R99 is, is, blocks most viruses. But bottom line is R99, N95 is non-oil resistant. It doesn't block any viruses, blocks zero. And just like peeing in a pool, you know, it doesn't stop. You have two bathing suits on. It's going, you know, I'm sorry, it's not working. So N95 is like peeing in a pool. It's an N, it stands for non-oil resistant. It's an oil capsule virus, just like influenza. It goes right through. And guess what? Oil does not stick to water. You need to stop. Like these things they say are just garbage. And anybody who's done the science knows. But more importantly, it's not just theoretical. They've done 14 randomized controlled trials. Zero, zero, zero percent of randomized controlled trials show that masks stop the spread of upper respiratory disease. The science before it says it shouldn't. And then the actual randomized controlled trials show that it doesn't, period. So the nonsense was so early on to me. And then we were locking down healthy people. Like, we never locked down healthy people. It just seemed... It just seemed from a fraud from the get-go, mostly because I knew the drug stuff. But then as I looked at everything, we've never locked down healthy people. Masks don't work. There's no such thing as social distancing. That didn't even, that's called isolation. You know, of course, isolation works. We don't like it though. We're human beings. We like, we like company. We like hanging out together. So at the end of the day, we were literally making up some stuff that just, I, I, I just couldn't see any rationale to anything they were doing. And I tried so hard in March to get to the president. And I literally, I have no background in politics at all. Eventually I made it to the White House. So, I mean, you know, I made it there. I made it a few times and I ended up talking to much of the family, uh, um, uh, uh, Laura, uh, Eric, and um, Don Jr. I mean, um, Vice President Pence, a lot of people, everyone was so kind and nice and everyone was very helpful and listened. But at the end of the day, there's like this inertia and, and, and there's a powerful forces. If you don't think there's powerful forces, these are the most powerful forces on the period, right? This is no little game. I mean, literally, we are we are playing with the big boys. They want to turn us down. There's no reason to do it. It's a complete fraud. The whole thing, we, we could have saved most of the people. 800,000 died. Most of them didn't have to die, all right? We had early treatment. So, and I, when I say that, I mean that with all my heart, all right? Everybody that we treat early, Almost zero percent died, and I don't mean zero point one. I mean hardly any. Not uh, Brian Tyson did seven thousand patients of the ones he treated early, like six thousand something. Zero deaths. He had a few deaths in the people that had treated after day seven, eight, nine, ten. I treated sixteen hundred of the ones that died, and there's I can't remember, there's five, but but three of them I actually never actually encountered with treatment. I literally just heard the thing and I said, you, you know, you need to go to the hospital. Like you have sats in the sixties. Um, they couldn't move. They couldn't breathe. I said, well, you know, you go to the hospital. I learned pretty quickly that that was a bad place to go. Um, and, you know, we stopped, you know, we, you know, we stopped sending patients off, but overall we had a total of five and they were all picked up on day eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, late in the disease when it's like knocking over dominoes. So for, for the audience here, yeah. You're, you're, you're here and I'm here together because they've decided to use a disease as the tip of the iceberg to basically set up a new world order or whatever they're planning on doing. I don't know what they're planning on doing, but I can tell you this. 
there's no medical reason to have a pandemic and shut everybody down, make everybody take a vaccine. We could talk about the vaccine at some point. But at the end of the day, the very fact that they weren't going to do early treatment, the very fact that was the tipping point for me of just it's a complete fraud because I knew there's you're going to tell me you can't use steroids outside the hospital. You can't use Eliquis aspirins or Alto. You can't use um, budesonide, uh, you know, Flonase, all the things that we use for, for asthma, all the things we use for blood clotting, all the things we use for inflammation. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, what you said, uh, <clears throat> anyone that thinks there aren't powerful forces at play is has their head in their sand or up their ass. And like you, I don't claim to know what it is. You know, you can go on one full end and go, uh, it was intentionally released to lower the standing of America and uh, put the whole break the supply chain of the whole world and establish mandatory vaccines and digital IDs to control the movement of 7 billion people, which is every dictator's wet dream. It could have been that it was a virus that was accidentally released, um, still being researched, but accidentally released. And, uh, you know, a bunch of pharma companies are capitalizing on it, just like they always have, either with opioids or with, uh, you know, nine out of 10 doctors smoke lucky strikes. Sure, there's always been something like that. It could have been an aligning of forces. You know, 9-11 didn't have to necessarily be planned. It could have just been, hey, an accident. Don't let it go to waste. Well, of course, the big national security state's going to jump on it and say, we need the Patriot Act. We need the Department of Homeland Security. We need domestic surveillance. Like, those are some, like, patterns as old as man. So regardless of what it is, whether it's full-blown New World Order, which I don't even think is that far out of the realm of possibility, or whether it was just really a bat and a pangolin, and now we just have Pfizer taking advantage of it. There's absolutely, excuse me, is it in, is a hundred percent engineered yeah. virus. Every, no, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I was just, I was playing the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it's, it's, it's like you know, people, um, you know, if you make, if you have nuclear energy, and you try to make electricity. I could be okay with it, but if you take nuclear energy and you make a bomb. I don't care why you made a bomb. It's it, now that the bomb got released by accident or not. So that's basically what happened. Yeah, it was a virus. The fear and cleavage site has never been seen in nature ever. Is completely gain of function, which means they made it more infectious on purpose. Right. That means that they basically made a bomb. Now whether it released by accident or not doesn't matter anymore. Why were they making a bomb? There was no reason to make a bomb. They made a up engineered a more infectious agent. All right. And there was no reason to do that. It has no benefits to mankind. Zero. So whether it was accidental doesn't matter to me anymore. That should have never happened. That is should never happen. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, I think of, you know, chemical or not just chemical. I just went over this in the last podcast. But I mean, you know, World War One, they saw how dangerous, but also kind of how haphazard, you know, mustard gas was the wind, literally the ch change of the wind, and you don't know which way it's going. So we fast forward to World War Two, we have Dr. Kurt Bloma with the Third Reich, he called it the sword and the shield. If we're going to use a sword, we better have a shield. So we'd vaccinate our entire army and our population. And then we use weapons. If you got really into it, you could even make biological weapons that went after certain races. And then, you know, uh, Shiro Ishii, Unit 731 in Manchuria, who operated on American POWs, which, spoiler alert, we brought all those guys back to the United States during Operation Paperclip as well. We then look at the treaties we had with the Soviet Union, that we kind of saw a bioweapons arms race as, or if not more lethal than a nuclear weapons arms race. And I've interviewed seven times now Dr. Ken Alabeck, who is the first deputy director of Biopreparat, 
the secret Soviet bioweapon program that was going on after the treaty they made with us. They were putting Ebola into like cruise missiles and stuff, real Dr. Evil stuff. He defected to the United States in 1992. I'm with you on that. If I play devil's advocate and play all sides of the field. So when I say stuff like maybe it was a pangolin, I just to me, that's just keeping my mind open. But I'm with you is it doesn't really matter. It does, but it all, it doesn't. Why was the bomb being made at all? Especially if any country, you have to then decide, well, was it an accident? Did it slip out on someone's shoe? Or was it released intentionally? Man, if we're all in a room and the food in the refrigerator, the leftovers are, are gone, and one of our roommates is morbidly obese, and he was the one home, no offense, fat guy, but I'm going to say like, man, if it was Bob or John, you know, maybe I'd say, okay, maybe we don't know who did it, but Kevin's over there and he's 900 pounds. I think he's going to do this. So if the benefit of the doubt has to come down to China with 2 million people in concentration camps with nets around the Foxconn factories who have stated they'd use unrestricted warfare, asymmetric warfare, do anything they want to take down the hegemon of the United States. I've had on Brigadier General uh, Robert Spaulding, who's in Obama's National Security Council, wrote a book called Stealth War, all about China's 100-year plan to do anything against us, whether it's flooding the borders with fentanyl or whatever. I look at them as like, man, if it slipped out of like the UK, I might be a little more in line with going, maybe it was an accident. Why would they do it? It's an, it's our ally, even Russia. I'd be like, mm, we've gone to toe to toe with them. Why would they do it now? When it comes from China, it's not only does it matter. Why were they making a bomb? No part of me can even begin to go. Maybe it was an accident. That's just kind of where my mind is at. So if you look at, you know, Peter Bragan, I don't know if you've interviewed him, but he's got a great book and Peter Bragan, B-R-E-G-G. Right now. Yeah. So he traced this all. So it, China did not do this by themselves. All right. So they had great assistance uh, from our, from our, um, uh, our uh, biological weapons people here. Um, and so I think that um, it's unfair to blame sure. only the Chinese. There was a lot of assistance from others in this country. So um, other countries to England, I think uh, there was some help from Israel. I think there was some help from other European countries. Um, so it was a collaborative effort to build these uh, gain-of-function viruses. And I don't have the trail of crumbs on it. That's not what I do. But Peter Bragan has a really, you might want to interview him. He's got a really good book. If you want to see, what, you know, the stuff on Fauci, of course, you know, Bobby Kennedy's book's fantastic. So I think that I would highly recommend that for everybody on here. But I think I think the easy thing to say is just as, as a doctor with background in developing medications, I can easily tell everyone that treating this from the beginning should have been happening. We didn't have to have it perfect to at least attempt to try to attack the virus. And even if you're not successful there, gosh, if somebody has a fever, you treat it. If you know there's going to be downstream blood clotting, maybe give aspirin, give Eliquis, Serelto to somebody. Most of the people dying, of course, ended up with comorbidities. That's, that's the main people who die. So very few people up. Most of them are elderly with comorbidities. It's 95% of the people who have passed away. I know everybody knows somebody who was 30. Well, I had a 32, 35, 38 that I know have died. 
vaccine. They die of pericarditis, myocarditis. But I mean, people are dying, they're younger. But at the end of the day, um, the data collection um, is not very accurate, right? So the CDC stopped tracking, for instance, the vaccines back in May. Why did they stop tracking? Oh, well, you know, that's another question. So everything you see is where are we getting our, med- uh, our, our information? We're getting it from people like myself, Senator Johnson. Senator mm-hmm. Johnson's put together a couple conferences. Anybody who wants to support somebody who's trying to find the truth, Senator Johnson from, from Wisconsin. He's amazing. He's done so much work. He's one of the only ones that actually tries to find out what the truth is. And all we're trying to do is say, like, we, we formed a group called the International Alliance of Physicians and Scientists. Why? Because people are trying to pick us off one at a time. We now have, we started with the core from, you know, Harvard, Hopkins, MIT, Yale, Harvard, Stanford. All right, a couple of us, small core, eight to ten, eight in the first meeting we had. At the end of the day, we ended up putting together the core and kind of going forward, talking to everyone. And now we have since the end, the beginning of September, 17,000 doctors and scientists who work our, our, our group. So we've built our organization bigger than the CDC, the NIH, and the FDA. Why? Because there are honest people that are trying to do the right thing. So we're not one scientist. I don't sit here as one doctor. I have basically, um, I feel like I've got the team of doctors I'm representing, or I'm helping to represent 17,000 doctors who do believe that early treatment is effective and would have saved at least 85% of the lives, at least, probably more. The data from some of the places is like 98% of the lives would have been dead. It would have been maybe under 100,000 deaths. This is something that is basically what we would consider to be like crimes against humanity, really. I mean, when you think that someone knows something, like if, if I didn't speak up with the knowledge I have, you don't see anybody come and telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. You will never see it. They literally won't say it. I mean, they could say it if they want. They would never debate me on it. The data is too strong. For instance, the natural immunity denial. We have 146 studies showing that natural immunity is superior. So what have they done? They, they know that's true. So they tried to create this new thing called super immunity. And I tell everybody, that super immunity is right in this. Is, I think you can find the same place you can find Superman. It doesn't exist. There's no such Making stuff up, they literally. Stuff up. I'm not joking. About it. They're really no, I know, I know. It's just, it was a good I mean, line. Like, how are we going to get pastors? Like, let's make up the word "super immune." I'm like, what? I mean, who? I'm not. It's like a 12 year old made this thing up. Like, leave <laughs> it. No super immunity. But the thing is, like Harvey Rich talked about the other day from Yale, the immunity you get from the vaccine is all driven towards the spike. In nature, you usually get all the immunity driven towards T cells which I tell people your T-cells are like the right-handed side of your adaptive immune system, and the antibodies are like the left-handed weak child, stepchild of your immune system, of your adaptive immune system. And, and what that means is when you da- drive everything that way, you should drive it towards the appropriate way. So they're driving, they're driving antibodies towards the spike when in nature you get antibodies towards the nucleocapsid. So this would have been a smarter strategy. The spike is the toxin. Yeah. It's the toxin. So what did they decide to make out of the 29 proteins are on this are on this virus? What one did they use? The one that causes all. Isn't that crazy? So they had all these choices and they chose the most toxic portion of it to create it. And it's been shown in experimental models by the Salk Institute, people who are who are actually bought well into the pharmaceutical industry. Most of what I'm talking about here and I'm giving data for is data from the normal 
academic centers and the science uh, and the industry itself. So people are honest all throughout this. There's a lot of honest data, but the people at the top are not. Why? I don't know. I do know they're not. I do know they're, they're saying the things that are not true when they say it's a disease of the unvaccinated. I'm treating right now. Two thirds of the people I'm treating are, are, are vaccinated. I mean, that's, that's who's getting, which is probably about down here in Texas, like 60, 60% of people are vaccinated. The vaccinated people are getting it just as much as the unvaccinated. So all these things are basically like just fabrications. But the more, the more important one over and over again is there's prophylactic therapy. They did stuff with hydroxychloroquine, but it's even better with ivermectin. Vitamin D is amazing. All right. If you have good vitamin D levels, it's your data analyst. So you can think of your immune system has to figure out, is this pathogen or pollen or cancer cells? <laughs> vitamin D helps make all those decisions for your immune system to make the right efficient uh, responses to these things. So get your vitamin D levels up. There's early treatment. That's a big message over and over. Don't be scared. There's early treatment. There's stuff we can do. It's really not that hard if you're a good doctor. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I was laughing at your Superman it's not making light of it. I just thought it was a good line. Same place. Right. It's like that headline. Uh, there was like that headline like a month ago and it was like Delta and Omicron have teamed up and created Delta Cron. I'm like, this sounds like an ad for a Marvel movie. They're going to team up. Can Superman do it? Like join in next week. But to- it's not true. that turned out to be, I just should quickly for your audience, <laughs> the sequencers, I know sequencers and they're sequencing there's not that many in the country and they're, they're about two weeks behind. So they're all, when the CDC gives you data, they're giving you modeling data rather than real data. There's still a lot of de- uh, Delta left in the country. Yeah. Um, but to, uh, to what we were saying earlier about, you know, we can't just point fingers at China. And I believe that a hundred percent, as much as that rant I just went on that said, this is a Chinese weapon. There was too much involvement from too many nations. And, it's scary, but to me, that's what leads more uh, substance to the idea that this is some global plan. It's we've all, we're all kind of in on it, and why are we in on it? And on one hand, you know, on one hand, it, it doesn't matter. And I say that lightly, and I'll get back to it. On one hand, it doesn't matter because you have patients in your hospital here and now dying. You have people being kept from getting ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all the early treatment from Dr. Fareed. Etc. And so, at one point, it doesn't really matter if the if the Titanic hit an iceberg or if someone just is, has like a hose on the deck. It's like there are people like getting cold and, and drowning, so we got to save them. Okay. On the other hand, you do have to kind of find out what is happening. And my analogy is this: is in the brilliant planning of the Allied forces in World War II, you know, it was the they said that one German tank could take on four American tanks, but we won because we always had five American tanks. And then we started looking at, well, how do we, instead of having to scale up, because what if we can't get enough tanks? What if we just find like the five or six factories where all these tanks are being built? And so we started looking at those and trying to bomb those, but they're really heavily guarded. And then some genius, I don't know who, traced it back to like one centralized power plant somewhere in Germany that was like, they had these these factories within like 10 miles of them. And they're like, well, what if we just hit the power plant? And that's, a, that's eventually what we did. So on one hand, it doesn't matter because there's a German tank coming over the hill and that thing's about to blow us to pieces. But on the other hand, 
you do have to have the sort of, you know, back at the Pentagon, the FDI, FDR, Eisenhower, you do kind of have to zoom out and go, I'm not making light of the German tanks that are blowing our boys to smithereens, but can we look at a 30,000 foot view and do we see where it's coming from? Because otherwise we're just going to be stuck in this forever. And that's yeah. kind of my logic is both matter. Does that make sense? I agree. I agree with you. The, what I usually say is go ahead and keep building them. You keep building the tanks because I'll find the power plant. That's what we're doing. Hell that's yeah. basically the way. I, if you think I'm just going to attack that, that's not what I'm going to do. I'll attack, you know, basically behind the scenes in another way. There's always a better way. There's always a better way to fix a problem. Medicine is like that. There's so many attack points. So, and, and, and that's a great analogy. I, I love that, that whole story because that's basically what we do. And when we're, when we're going after these things, we don't necessarily have to win the battle against the tank. We don't necessarily have to beat the virus. We just need to we need to mitigate the damage. We don't cure diabetes, right? Most of the time, we mitigate the damage from high sugars. So we, we do things to mitigate. So mitigation strategies are incredibly important. So if, if one strategy isn't working, then you change gears. And that's what a good doctor says. Right now, what these doctors are being stuck with is they do these protocols, like you heard Paul Merrick say, and they don't veer from the protocol. That's absolutely idiotic. I, I would... I, I literally could not sit there and watch people dying. I would never allow it. It's, it's, against, it's against the laws of nature to do that when you know there's a better way or might be a better way. And you know inevitably that if you just went with the same plan, what do they call that? If you do the same thing over and over same again? Day. Yeah, so. same thing over and over again, looking for, the, looking for a different result. <laughs> it's just like, you know, you look for, you look for, so what you just pointed out is the ingenuity um, is is key. And the ingenuity in battle is very similar in medicine. It's very similar. There's always ingenuity and that's how we become successful. That's how we that's how we succeed. And I think this is something everyone needs to hear. So our current system is broken, right? So are we going to sit around and just keep a broken system? No. We're going to build our own information system. WebMD, here we come, right? We're taking over the the basically the internet with information for doctors that's number one then we'll build our own telehealth platform and then we'll build our own um, ambulatory care clinics that don't let people die early and tell them to go home when they have covid and then we'll build our own hospitals our supply chains our surgery centers it's it's doable it's not that hard i know what to do and so do a lot of other people and we're going to go after it and so everybody here's here on the call like look we're going after it this is not we're not sitting around and the people you know it's like robert malone peter mccullough all right. We're a team. We are a team. We're America's team right now. All right. We don't want to be America's team, but that's who we are right now. And we're fighting for our freedom. We're fighting for everything, because if we let people die unnecessarily, we've we've let you down and we're going to fight to not let that happen. We're not going to we're going to fight these vaccines, which are the most toxic chemical you could possibly put out of the whole coronavirus. You put the most toxic protein out of the 29 that's there. So no, we're going to speak out, guys like Malone. And for people who don't know, lipid nanoparticles go everywhere. They are, so part of my thing I told you is oncology. We use lipid nanoparticles to go in the brain. So they're really good at going in the brain. We know, I know that already. Problem is we were trying to get them to carry chemo. Reason we didn't use them was because we didn't want to carry chemo to the bone marrow, to the adrenal glands, to the ovaries, to the spleen. So you're letting your children get exposed to this inflammatory compound lipid nanoparticle which is carrying a messenger rna going to make a, another inflammatory protein called the spike 
And guess what? In the ovaries, there's a lot of ACE2 receptors. Hello, it's going to cause inflammation. That's what it's guaranteed to do. Is it going to cause infertility? I hope to God not. So I think that um, we can pray and we have to do that. But I also think we need to, um, we need to, we need to go after the truth, the science, and, and not be afraid to speak the truth. You can't be, not only, you not only have to know the truth, you have to speak truth. That's called courage. Although it's hard for me to believe that I'm sitting here as a doctor saying I'm speaking medical truth with courage. I don't really feel that much courage from it. I feel like the other side, what I told you earlier, um, was that if I didn't speak the truth, at the end of the day, I don't bow to man, I bow to God, and that's it. And so that's why, in some sense, I have to speak truth. You know, it's, I'd be, there's only one, one person would know better. Yeah. God would know, God would know that I was, had fear in my heart of man. Oh, yeah. And not, not enough. So. Oh yeah, no, it's uh no, it's a hundred percent. I'm with you. It's it, you know, it's easy to get jacked up. You have the American flag behind you. You're like, we're speaking truth, but it's not. You know, it's not always that. What got me into medical school, one out of a hundred times was thinking about, man, I can't wait to be a doctor. Ninety nine out of a hundred times were, man, if I fail, I am so screwed. I have these student loans. I better ace OCAM. I better learn it now. And to me, that's what more of it is, isn't, you know, one out of 10 times, it's a courageous, like, I interviewed Dr. Malone and McCullough before Rogan, like, I was doing it before, it's cool, let's do it. And then the other nine times is just like, I'm complicit in this, if myself, who has worked my ass off to get to a point where I get to be my own boss and choose my own guests and do podcasts about whatever I want. So I now have a platform, it's a tiny platform, but it's my platform and I can talk about whatever I want and spend all day long researching whatever I want. I'm now complicit if I don't do something. And, but to me, I, I, I am overly, I'm always optimistic. If I'm not optimistic, I would just get depressed and die. I have to be optimistic. I'm optimistic because I, and I've used this analogy before and it's cheesy, but just like if you don't wipe out 100% of the virus, that remaining little bit that's going to, and, and not just COVID, anything, right? That's going to have that mutation that allowed it to survive. And then that one's going to proliferate. And that's how you get the new generation with the most progeny, right? Like a giraffe with a taller neck. If you don't kill it all, you know, if you come at the king, you best not miss. If you don't kill all the, so my logic is, is like, knock on wood, they haven't killed us all, right? They haven't killed us all yet. So, to me, it's driving like variants of free speech. Like I was on YouTube and I'm banned. Did I stop? No, now I'm just on Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute and, and whatever. I'm on all these little platforms. Do I get banned from maybe like Facebook? Sure, but now I'm on all these other random ones. And I used to have all the podcasts on one hard drive. Now I have them on a couple inside of a fireproof safe, inside of a waterproof safe. Because I'm like, screw these people. I'm going to win this fight. You know, I went from talking to my friends about like, do you think UFOs are going to land to now I'm like, you know, every day I'm like texting with Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone's hopping on here. I'm having you on here. I just had on Merrick and it's like, what the hell is going on? But I'm connecting with all these people, but it's because we're all working towards the same thing. So again, whether we get not taking out the tanks or taking out the power plants or just pushing towards Berlin till Adolf pops himself one way or another, we're going to win. The only way we're not going to, and that's why I talk about with why I know my podcast is going to succeed because I'm a psychopath who doesn't take no for an answer, but my logic has always been this. I won't be alive, and this is what I thought too when I was pre-med and I did get into medical school against all odds. My logic has always been, I won't fail. There's two options. 
I will either succeed or I will be dead. If I fail, but I'm still alive, I haven't failed yet. It just means I get to try again tomorrow. And if I die, it will mean I failed, but I won't be here to experience that. So to me, it's like, you literally got to kill us all or we're going to win. That's just what it is. Maybe that's that cocky American thing. I don't know. That's my logic. And now I'm just, now I'm starting screaming and shit. So. No, I think you're just reaching in and finding that, you know, sometimes we have to find another gear and I have six kids and I would train them in, in sports and stuff. And I always, I was always the coach of the team. And I would tell people, all right, look, you keep going. If you break a leg, you start bleeding, you fall down, you can't breathe. All right, fine. Yeah. But until don't tell them, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know why you, you didn't rep. I don't know why you would want a new to another set <laughs> because we're just going to keep going. Yeah. If something breaks, you know, we'll take a break. You know, yeah. I don't want to know about bathroom. I don't want to know about any of that. So I don't know, you know, Peter McCullough, he always texts me, he says, stay relentless. And I always, I always laugh because, He's like relentless. He's <laughs> so, ins- dude, he's insane. <laughs> he's insane, he's, man. <laughs> love the guys. And to Pete, listen, Malone is fantastic. Um, Pierre is fantastic. Paul, all these people are fantastic people. They literally are fantastic people. And I can't say enough about the group of people that are fighting this fight. I mean, they're they're in a sense they've decided like you know you cannot you can't sit by. We are, we like I said we are the tip of the spear. They're using us to create a, a, another paradigm. It doesn't exist. What they're doing, it doesn't exist. There is not a virus that's impenetrable. There is not a virus that needs a vaccine for every single person. It doesn't matter if you're 85. doesn't matter if you're five. doesn't matter if you're sick, you're not sick. doesn't matter if you're, if you're um, uh, if, what comorbidities you have. I mean, it literally doesn't matter. Everybody needs a vaccine. This is absurd. And then they deny natural immunity, even if you had the virus. The intellectual arrogance of denying natural immunity is the one Achilles heel. You were talking earlier about attacking the tanks. We should go for the Achilles heel. This is absolutely Achilles heel. There's no reason um, to, to not go there. People from 2003, SARS-CoV-1, are still immune and have requisite T-cell immunity to SARS-CoV-2. But let me say this, because people are like, oh, what about Omicron? These, facts, these viruses create cross-reactive T-cells. So as you get all this immunity to these other variants, um, you're actually getting cross-reactive T cells that are going to basically, they're not like antibodies. Antibodies are like car keys. Antibodies might not fit. Like my car key doesn't fit with my last year's car. But a T cell is a tow truck. It doesn't need all the directions. It, it basically is coming. It's going to tow you away. It doesn't matter. So keep those things in mind. There's a lot. Like if you're, if you're sitting in my place, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because I know this is, medically very easy there's nothing hard about this in terms of attacking it from multiple levels and that what everybody here needs to know this is a fraud it's a fraud in every such way there's treatment for inflammation for the for 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 the blood clotting i hate to keep repeating it and for the respiratory distress and there's treatment for the virus itself and if you want to hear this i don't know if anybody's talked about it but i'll talk real quick molnupiravir and remdesivir they're nucleoside analogs remdesivir I don't know if Paul talked about it. He talks about it sometimes. It can't work. The virus is replication incompetent after five or six days. So if you give a patient remdesivir in the hospital, day 15 and 20, you are giving a compound which has no chance of working. The only thing replicating then is your own cells, your own mitochondria, your own normal cells. That's it. That's why it causes kidney failure. That's why it's. That's why it has improved to show extend life. And in most cases, it, it, it increases the chance of dying. 
because it can't possibly work because it has no chance of working because the virus is dead after five or six days. Remember that, okay, if anybody remembers. Now, molnupiravir, you're going to give it early. Now, molnupiravir is actually what we call a mutating agent. It actually creates mutations in the replication cycle in the, as, the, as, the, as the replication cycle is occurring. It puts in fake, basically, codons into the replication cycle. What this means is that if you do create mutations, you might create a, like, for people who don't know, they didn't use it for, for influenza because they created mutations that were more dangerous and, and worse. So that's what happened in influenza. It was abandoned because that's molnupiravir. Paxlovid, they literally, t- so, for, and for people who don't know, you need to hear this. These drugs are from the 1950s. Nucleoside analog, molnupiravir and remdesivir, those two drugs are literally sisters and brothers of drugs from the 1950s that were cancer drugs. You heard me say it earlier, cancers and viruses use our own cells. There's a reason why the same things that work for cancer can work for viruses a lot of times. All right, let's go to the Paxlovid. That's the new drug from Pfizer. This is an old HIV drug. They literally took the drug Kalitra, which is off patent. They dressed it up a little bit and they put the same one drug in. It's a combo, ritonavir. And then they put another drug in there, which is just a little bit different than the other drug that used to be there. And they're literally the same drug. They're so toxic. I've had three patients take it. Two of them had really bad GI side effects, diarrhea, stomach ache, you know, throat, nausea, vomiting. Like it's, it's killing, it's killing the, what they call the three CL main protease with the chymotrixamide protease. And you take this big polyprotein and you chop it up into 11 pieces and then you can assemble the new virus. So without it, you can't assemble the virus. The problem is, like I said, this same protease, there's other ones just like it that need to make our normal cells. It's a very toxic drug. So these are not good choices. Ivermectin, super safe. Azerithromycin, super safe. Ciproheptidine, super safe. You know, we have Singular, Pepsid. All these drugs are super safe and they interfere with the virus replication and they decrease inflammation. Phenylfibrate. There's a bunch of drugs many of you may even be on. So, or let's just maybe a younger audience. But basically, these are just common drugs that have other effects besides what I just mentioned, phenylfibrates for cholesterol. But guess what? It bites the virus. It stops blood clotting. It stops inflammation. It does all those things. Isn't that amazing? I mean, these are these, and they've been proven to work against these viruses. It's, uh, it kind of sounds, I remember the example from OCHEM was uh, the enantiomers that they use when the patent runs out. So they take like, you know, one of those like weight, like anti-narcoleptic drugs that they started giving to like uh, stealth pilots for their 30 hour missions, but it was like a draphanil. And then when the patent ran out, they like switched to hydroxyl group. So it was like what, whatever handed and turned it into like uh modafinil. And then after five years, they turned it into armodafinil. You're just, they're just. You're well, yeah, keep going. Cause that's the audience needs to hear that. That's yeah. exactly what they did. Yeah. That's what it is. And so you just keep moving the patent. It's, it's like changing the charger on like the charging port on the iPhone, right? Oh, you got to have this charger. Now you got to have that charger now, because that's the only way you're going to keep buying chargers. But yeah. so to see that though, I look at this as it's unnatural what they're doing. And it's always harder to do some sort of top-down tyrannical control system. You have to exert so much energy blocking everything out. I mean, even in the Soviet Union, they would the KGB would they would check on who was buying this much film. And sometimes it was just like an artist. 
Or sometimes it was like a movie maker who, who knows, maybe that would have brought more money to the Soviet Union because they would have, but they were so scared that they were like recording military secrets. So now you're stifling all these like, and this is just one example, you're stifling all these like potential Steven Spielbergs or something, but it was happening across everything. You can't have access to this much metal because what if you start making your own tank armor? And it's like, dude, we're just trying to make a more efficient car. So eventually you can use a lot of force. And as we saw at the Soviet Union from really when the Cold War started from Berlin airlift to whatever, 89, 91, I always get it butchered. You can use it. You can use overwhelming power for a long time. Like it can work for a bit. It's not totally incomprehensible, but it will eventually collapse under its own weight. And it's what David Hoffman said called it the, we have the, the invisible hand of the free market. Totalitarian systems have the hidden hand of suicide. Eventually, everyone's always trying to defect. And even if they're not, they're always being cut off at the knees because they can't do X, Y, and Z because this might be you're trying to overthrow. Ken Clisby, former CIA agent who I've had on here, talked about willing accomplices. It's all about uh, the KGB's active measures over the Cold War. The KGB used to call back, so let's say they send over 100 agents, and I know I said I'd let you go in 40 minutes and we've gone 10 minutes over, but the KGB used to send, let's say, like 100 agents to like 100 cities in the United States. They all got to recruit five people, and then they start doing their little whatever dissemination plans, propaganda plans. They would then take the like the five best who had the best results, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've got these guys and now I've put them in whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, man, you're doing the best. You've got the, you know, you take the top 5% of your students. And they'd call them back to the Soviet Union to congratulate them. And then they'd execute them. Because what those five were, were the most competent, which meant they posed the biggest threat to those in power. So there, there's, a, there's a invisible market hand that will always kill itself. So even now, I mean, there's got to be people we don't know about, maybe we won't know about for years. There's got to be people in the FDA or in the CDC or in the intelligence community or working at Facebook, and they know something's going on. It's going to kill itself. It might take a while, but it's going to kill itself. There's a lot of people in those agencies that are good people, just yes. the top people. Absolutely. Some of the, for people who don't know, you know, if you, if you, I don't know if you t- covered this at one time, but the, uh, when they actually did the CDC uh, 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 advisory council on the vaccine, they, they uh, didn't recommend a booster 16 to 2. And then the commissioner overrode them. And I mean, there are good quit. people there. Yeah, and those two big guys quit. They didn't want any more. But, you know, it goes to that saying, you know, the tighter your grip, the more it slips through your fingers. You know, so, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's basically what's happening. But there's people like you and I, and there's people on here that are listening to us talk. And we know that we, we need courage. And courage is big. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I, I never thought I needed courage, you know, really, other than just, you know, moral courage, you know, more or less. Um, but this is moral courage in its own way. So if you're, you know, say our prayers, we're, we're not going to sit down. We're not going to nail to man. I mean, we'll be one of the ones that will be shot. That'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it's not going to nail. I'm not going to kneel down. It's not right. I might say different if they're torturing really bad. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'll, <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll break. If they're torturing me, I'll, I will temporarily break. But as soon as I get a hold I of myself. Of the, yeah. I think of the passion of the Christ when Christ was carrying the cross. And I was like, man, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I still much. Yeah. So I, I'm sure I would probably break at some point. But but unless they're torturing me like that, I'll, I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be going. And I think more importantly, 
we are doing God's work. We are doing the right thing. We're doing what Americans know to do, which is to speak up against tyranny. That's not what we allow. Um, the First and Second Amendment mean something. Um, it was written into the Constitution for this very purpose. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. very purpose. And this is why, in a sense, we have to resist. Um, my role, in a sense, is, you know, intellectually, I can provide people with the courage of the truth. To, I mean, I can provide them with the truth, not the courage. The truth is, these are these are fabrications. Um, these are not, there is treatment. The vaccines are very poor. They're very leaky. Um, they don't stop transmission anymore. They don't stop infection. And if you look at hospitalizations in Scotland, um, where we're getting real data, um, and you look overseas, the only place we're getting data saying it's all unvaccinated people is here. Around the rest of the world, we're seeing lots of uh, more people, for instance, in Scotland dying that are vaccinated than unvaccinated, 83%, I think. So at the end of the day, you know, we, it's our job to continue to bring the truth. And here's one, like you said, that last example you just gave, that metaphor, basically, they didn't expect the actuaries to come out with data showing that 40% of the deaths between the ages of 18 to 64. So they tried to lock up all the medical data, but then the actuary, they forgot about the actuaries. And they're actually like, 40% more people died this last year. And, and it's clearly... There's no other thing that changed except the vaccine. That's the only thing different. 40% more people died. It's a 10% for those who don't know, a 10% rise in one year is a one in 200 year occurrence. Yeah. And that's a pretty high number. A 40% rise is basically a, a complete aberration of one in a million type shot. This is very dangerous. This, If you remember a couple things from this call, remember this. There's early treatment. It works. It's been known since March. We keep adjusting. If you talk to Pierre, myself, the others, we've adjusted so many times. We adjusted on Delta. Ivermectin wasn't working so well. We started with hydroxychloroquine and steroids. That was working pretty well. Um, There's lots of blood clots. We had to worry about that. And then we made the adjustment in Delta because everything started went apart. Um, but we were always treating inflammation. We were always treating blood clotting. We were always treating um, in, uh, respiratory problems. We're trying to treat the virus too. We always are trying to look at it from different systemic, big big picture ways of, of attacking. That's how we do medicine. It's it's cardiovascular, it's pulmonary, it's it's tumor, it's inflammatory. We use big categories and then we wind it on down. That's how you call the practice of medicine, right? Then think about this on the vaccine. For, I want to I want everybody to hear this. This vaccine is blocking tumor suppressor genes P forty five, which is P, I'm sorry P fifty three which is the, uh, uh, the, the guardian of the genome, and BRCA. What this means is when you, when you lock those genes up, lots of cancers are going to occur, a lot of them. We're going to see a lot more cancers. If you keep getting spike put into your body, you're going to be locking up more and more of this P53 in your body. All right? That's not a smart thing. Secondly, we're seeing T-cell surveillance for like things like uh, mono and, and, and shingles and herpes virus. We're seeing these. Um, unravel because the spike is also hurting total like receptor seven and eight. I'm seeing a tremendous, huge amount to get my clinic in here of mono, recurrent mono, CMD, herpes simplex, and shingles. All I've, I had a record year of, of shingles last year. We have 300,000 patients in my clinic. If you think I'm small, I'm not small. My clinic has 300,000 patients coming through a year. Okay. So this is not somebody who, who, who's talks that, well, we have 50 patients. Like, no, we have a huge number of patients. What I'm saying is this data stuff should be being done by the FDA and the CDC. These people should be doing it. That's their data analysis. 
there's people like me that have to have to call this together. I'm happy to do it. Um, but it just seems like like it seems wrong that our agencies are so captured. There's so there's so much corruption there. But it's not the lower level people. And some of them are coming out and they're giving us data. They're giving us they're handing us data. All right. So I want everybody to know that the world is, that, that, that there is stuff slipping through their fingers all the time. And you're part of the answer, right? And and that's important. Everyone feels we are part of the, we are part of the answer. Part all of us. And so I'm so thankful to kind of be on this call with you, and you know help contribute and be with all those great people you brought on the call. And there's so many patriots who come from different walks of life. The truckers were completely behind them. You know, there's something about the rawness of being a trucker. You know, you're on your road on the all the time, and, and just you know, just you know, you call them hardcore, right? But you know, you see a couple of them crying about their kids and and the future and, you know, it's just, you know, they don't want to die of a vaccine to get stuck in there. They know there's some of these are young, healthy guys. If anybody's seen all those soccer players that are, that are dying all over the world, it's insanity that, that, that this is happening. These people don't need a vaccine. So I just want to say like our three core things are let us be, let us treat patients. Um, children do not need this vaccine. It's going in their ovaries in their brain. You don't need vaccines in the ovaries and brain. You don't have to go there, right? And we should never, never give in to natural immunity denial. That is basically intellectual arrogance. It's saying you're better than God. They're not. It's a, there's another perfect example though, right? Of thing you didn't expect. You thought you, you thought you buttoned up all the holes and crossed the T's and dotted the I's. Like we got them. And then you have the actuaries. Well, maybe we can plug that up. That's soccer players. And it's like, well, shit, we can't do that because that will waken up even more people. How come I can't watch sports anymore? How come they keep, you know, they put like a delay on you? You know that's coming. Is there soon going to be like a delay? You know, just like when people swear during the Super Bowl and they have the beep, you know, there's going to start being, you're just going to see like a weird cut in the feed. You're going to be like, what just happened? They were just, what just, they just skipped five seconds. And where, where's number five? That, like, that, that's coming. It's all coming. But, or whether it's the truckers, like why are all these truckers? It's just a fringe minority, and it's just like an just an avalanche of metal and rubber up in Ottawa. It's all coming, but you have to do your part because if you don't, you get what you deserve. You do you deserve the resulting tyranny. And you may be thinking, well, dude, I work at AutoZone. I don't have time to do this. I don't know anything about medicine. I don't have a pod. Share the podcast, not just mine, Rogan's. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You have to get the information out there. Well, people might not like me. Screw them. It's, just share it. You might get banned from social media. Okay. You can do something. You can absolutely do something. And, I mean, even just share memes. It doesn't matter. Do something. Yeah. Use unconventional warfare against them. Yeah, so this is a great point. And, I, and, I, and so I think the thing is every person here, think local. Do the most you can right where you are in your own family. Some of them may be against you. That's fine. But think about local. What can you do? Your school boards. Don't trust it. Don't trust the legislature, the school boards. Of course, some are great people on the school boards and legislatures. But at the end of the day, we have to reinvent ourselves. If you work for a big corporation, make a group that's against all this stuff. Find a way. Start a signal group. Organize. So organize. Be a leader and organize. So when people come to me and say, hey, I want a vaccine. I want to get away from without having a vaccine. I go, no, I go, no, you're a part of the answer. You're not part of the problem because right now you're part of the problem. If I give you a card, then I fixed you. Then what do I do for the other people? No, you have to lead. The very fact that you're so strong and you're a hot coal and you feel so strong inside of you 
that means you have leadership. It's there. You just have to bring it out. It's there inside of you. If you feel strong, if you're listening to what we're saying and you feel strong, the leadership's in you. You can be a leader. You can do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, keep using unconventional means. I mean, I think about, I had a guy on like 500 episodes ago. We talked about the history of pornography. It was actually pretty interesting all the way back to like the 1700s. And I might be butchering this, but they actually used like pamphlets during like the 1780s in France during the French Revolution. And because like those part of like the royalty and I guess they're like henchmen, it was too improper to look at a pamphlet of, you know, the drawing of a naked woman or something. They wouldn't touch it. They wouldn't look at it. But inside the pamphlet would be like, you know, we need to overthrow the government. We need to like put Marie Antoinette in like a guillotine. But it was like, oh, I won't touch. So just do weird, do weird shit. Make memes. It doesn't make memes and, you know, put them on the inside of a stall in a bathroom. Just be like, hey, here's the early treatment protocol. Like make them uncomfortable. Like it, um, and that's what I mean is use your own ingenuity. Don't do what I'm saying. You know, general patent. Don't tell someone what, to, don't tell someone how to do something. Tell them what to do and let them surprise you with their ingenuity. Just do that. And form teams. Form teams yeah. with other people. We're always stronger together. And you'd be surprised when you're feeling down, your other guys will pick you up. Form mm-hmm. teams. Form those signal groups. Form those. Form teams in some way. Form some team. Like, hey, I don't believe the school board. I don't like them. You know, okay, fine. Get a group of parents together that are going to do something. Or anything like what you just said. You want to help the truckers. Somehow find a way together to do it. Form it in terms of teams. Because if you're working together, there's, it's hard to be people who are working together. They hate us working together. They don't want us to unite. That's why we have 17,000 doctors. And we go up there and we're like, hey, we're 17,000 doctors. We're 17,000. And guess where we come from? You know, I'm coming from the top cancer hospital in the world. Uh, you guys come from Hopkins, Harvard, Mayo Clinic, you know, all these places, um, Stanford, Yale, Oxford. I mean, this is where we're coming from. They're not, we're not small. You know, we're not small. And Stop saying, you know, stop trying to marginalize what we're saying. Like, stop it now. Now we reorganize. Now we're bigger than you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. We're not the underdogs. So don't think we're the underdogs. God's with us. We're not the underdogs. We're the upper dogs. Oh, yeah. And it's also. I always think about this. It's always more fun to be the person doing the thing you're not supposed to do. Even if you're a little kid, right? It's always more fun to like. I don't know, pass Pokemon cards or something. Even if you don't want to play, it's just you want to be the cool kid, right? Alcohol became so much less fun when I turned 21. It was so much cooler like, sneak vodka in a water bottle and go to, like, a shitty high school party and not really know what you're doing. You throw up after two drinks. It's always more fun, right? It's always, like, the Mighty Ducks. Like, you, you don't want to be, like, the evil team from Iceland with the matching black uniforms, right? So it's always more fun to just do what you're not supposed to do. And... Yeah. When they for a good cause, yes, too, yes. you'd be in the, I mean, we literally are in the right side of history. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it is a complete medical fraud. There's not one real thing. I'd like somebody to point out one real thing about it. There's nothing real about it. We had early treatment. We had early treatment and we still have early treatment at prophylaxis. The vaccines are leaky and don't work very well. They're causing P53 blockage of the genome. They're ruining T-cell surveillance. They're turning a T-cell-dominated immune adaptive system into a a left-handed antibody-type system. Everyone knows that uh, we have lots of antibodies against HIV and that doesn't help. 
T cell destruction is the worst thing you could do to its system. Yeah. So T cells are important to our immune system. So on every single level, there's a medical scientific fraud. And people don't even know uh, who didn't heard this. The Lancet, one of our Bibles of medicine, published a completely fabricated study on hydroxychloroquine about a year and a half ago. And guess who authored the study? The head of cardiovascular at Harvard. So if you think, he said he, he, said he checked 93,000 patients, 671 hospitals in six continents, put all this data together. He's the head of Harvard CV. He didn't see a single patient. It was a complete lie. And we all called him out on it. And he had to, they had to retract it. And he never lost his job. I mean, if you don't think that's a complete fraud, this is what I'm talking about. The level of the fraud is so brazen that they would literally do stuff. And all of us were like, it's only two months in the pandemic. There's no way you could have 93,000 patients get all the IRB approvals, all the ethics board reviews. There's a lot of hassle and, and the regulatory of it all. No, it didn't happen. And then not everybody has Windows XP or whatever is there. We all have different medical record system. Um, you know, it's a mess when you have people coming in with massive illness and sickness. It's hard to keep records, right? Because everybody's, you know, it's a massive rush to the hospital and people are afraid. And so the records keeping, uh, you're not going to have like extra people around just hanging around looking at data. That doesn't happen. We knew it was a fraud. It was a fraud. And and this is the kind of stuff we're dealing with. It's a complete fraud and a complete fraud. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to say, you know, yeah, like you keep saying, and, I, and I'm with you too, I've it's I've got my, my my brother's on my brother's necklace on now, but find God. And if you can't find God, find your balls. But I mean, do something, you know, just do something. And 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 we'll we'll wrap this one up with this is. Look at when I was in a fraternity fall 2009, back when I guess it was I get well, that fraternity was banned from campus. But back when I was in there and it was I mean, they'd hit you, they'd throw shit at you that, you know, you had to be a DD at 2 a.m., hundred nights in a row, making you drink shit, act like an idiot, you know, go do it stuff across campus that I probably still can't talk about now. All this stuff, what they'd always say to you is, you know, you'd start a pledge class with like 50 guys and like 10 would finish. They'd always tell you, like, look at the guys around you. And if there's someone else that hasn't quit, don't look at that as like inspiration. Find someone that like you look down on and be like, dude, that guy's a wimp and he's still doing it. And then they'd say, take it one step further. Look at the brothers who are initiated, the ones that are hazing you. And don't look at like a cool one. Look at like a loser and be like, dude, that guy made it. And I won't say his name, but there's always one example in my mind. He's a great guy, but I was, I was just looking at him. I was like, that guy, like that beta male made it. I was like, all right, I got to do this. So my logic is this. When I look at like the evil side and I look at like a Klaus Schwab or an Anthony Fauci, like those guys, they're the ones that are going to they're going to run your life. Those not 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 the Soviet Union and their waves of tanks, not Hitler and their dive bombers, not the the imperial Japanese and their psychopathic kamikazes. But Tony Fauci and oh, they're going to block you on the Facebook so you can't put that's what's going to win. If we let that win, we get what we deserve. We get what we deserve. So again, find God, find your balls, find something. But man, I mean, it, the win is ours to lose. So that's kind of my logic on this. And uh, yeah, man. <laughs> if 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 not we, then who? Right? I mean, come on. Exactly. So it's and it's, yeah. it's it, if not we, then who? 
And, and, and so if not we, then who? And we're talking Fauci and Schwab. Seriously, this is not their planet. Yeah. All right. I mean, this come is, on. I mean, come on. Look, at, yeah. Look at those guys. Our planet is not their planet. God is with us. God is not with them. And, and we know what the right thing is. And if, yeah, you might need courage, but it's, it's going to feel a lot better at the end of life to have lived with, the, you know, with your feet on the ground and not on your knees. Amen. Um, that's what we're going to have to face up against, but it's worth it. Um, uh, as I said before, <laughs> who may say different <laughs> when they're sitting there torching us, <laughs> bring us down to get mouth. But, uh, we but, might be hard. It's worth it. This <laughs> is so. Uh, uh, thanks for thanks for everybody. Um, you guys are obviously. I know you got a younger crowd. Actually, um, you know. I, actually, no, I don't. About. And that's finally interesting. So, so I think in general, what you said is very true. If not we, then who? And 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 that's what we have to keep thinking. Let's do it, and and we could inform teams. Don't do it by yourself. Don't feel like a lone ranger. You're not. There's many of us here. That was a big strength to me back when I started in March. I felt like the Lone Ranger eventually decided I had to keep going. And eventually people said, hey, I heard you talking or, you know, let's get together. Before I knew it, now we have 17,000 doctors and scientists all on a team. So I want to uh, oh, a very quick story is uh, Dr. McCullough invited me down to Austin over New Year's Eve to meet Alex Jones and it was like the coolest thing ever. My brother lives in Austin, so I got to hang out with him. And yeah, I go down there. And I, I was sick. I, I, I had a stomach bug, gastroenteritis, and you know, I was tired. And I was there, but I was like, whatever. I want to meet McCullough. I want to meet Alex Jones. And it was the coolest thing ever. And we're leaving. And my brother's taking me and McCullough back towards the airport. I had a hotel, but McCullough was flying back that day. And you know, I was like falling asleep. I was like, dude, I just want to get back to my hotel, take a long shower. I'm going to go right to bed. Like I don't need to fly back for like two more days. I'm so excited. And McCole is in the back seat, and he was like, man, I'm flying back to Dallas. And he's like, I got five more interviews today. And I remember I just part of me was like, what are you? And I started to I start I remember going like, you're insane, man. And he and he leaned forward in between the two seats. My brother, uh, my brother driving me on the right. McCole's head just kind of comes up. And he, he just says in my ear, he goes, relentless. And I was just like, you really are relentless, man. I was like, you're insane. You scare me. He goes, relentless, Tommy. And I was just like, you are, he is, he is on that Christ energy. But him, Malone, yeah, all of them. He's great. They're all great guys. Peter's, Peter's the captain, you know. So Malone, Malone is fantastic yeah. too. And, and you cannot imagine the heart he has, yeah. the intellect he has. Um, and Pierre incredible heart um very charismatic i mean it's a great group a great yeah. group yeah can't say nothing i want like a 1700s oil painting of uh of mccullough like george washington like a like a, like a one-shot revolver and a big fluttery coat and you know a wig or something but um i'll tell i'll probably talk to him in about an hour or two no, <laughs> okay. he, i literally text him every day so it's same thing um doc, excuse me <clears throat> dr urso Thank you so much for coming on here. I will send you, I will, I will text you the episode when it's up. It should be up in like an hour or two. Um, if you could please, Perfect. if you could please tweet it or put it on whatever social media you're on and um, would love to do yep. it again sometime, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. God bless. God bless America. Everyone do the right thing. Recording. Will stopped. Win. Thank you, sir.